0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Pie in the Red Sox, bloggingtheredsox.com podcast. I'm your host, uh, Brandon Campbell. And today, I'm happy to be joined by uh, our second straight recurring guest here on Pine the Red Sox, pitcher-list writer Sarah Griffin. Uh, Sarah, welcome back. How's your summer going?
1: Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's going pretty good. How's yours?
0: Uh, it's going pretty well. Just uh, watching the Red Sox, I guess.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. So uh, the reason I wanted to bring you on today, Sarah, was to essentially recap what happened with the Red Sox and in MLB in general over the last few weeks. So just to, off the top, let's start with what the Red Sox did at the trade deadline. are uh, you disappointed or underwhelmed with the moves the club made?
1: I think at the time of the trade deadline, I was a little disappointed, but then I think back to like probably a week ago when I kind of had the expectancy that, I don't know, I feel like we all know how Heimbloom works. He wasn't going to make these like huge big things. And I feel like it started with the Max Scherzer rumors that made me start thinking, like, oh, maybe we are going to get Scherzer, Rizzo, like all, which just isn't really how he works, especially when you're building up your farm system still already to where it is now. But I think at the time of the deadline, seeing how crazy this deadline has been, it almost kind of felt like FOMO watching everyone make these huge huge trades and like not that Schwarber isn't a big acquisition I think just because we still haven't seen him play in a Red Sox uniform that also might be it but I was a little disappointed
0: Were you expecting like a Craig Kimbrell or Anthony Rizzo kind of move?
1: I was definitely banking on the Anthony Rizzo move I really thought for sure which again that was on me like I think they did like probably lose out on him but I'm like Heimbloom isn't known for making the like exact moves that everyone expects him to because so I was like, oh, open spot, first base. We need someone, Anthony Rizzo, perfect fit.
0: So did the moves the rest of the division made kind of scare you with like Nelson Cruz, Jose Barrios, Rizzo, Joey Gallo?
1: Yeah, honestly, I think the Rays and the Blue Jays moves scared me the most. I I am jealous of the Yankees for getting Rizzo, you know, I'm jealous they have Gallo and stuff, but they still don't scare me too much, especially considering Last night, because their big issue has been pitching. And then last night, clearly their trade, uh, it was still a one, just one start. But that doesn't scare me too much as much as the Blue Jays and definitely the Rays do right now.
0: <laughs> and your thoughts on the Kyle Schwarber acquisition in general, like who they gave up?
1: Um, I was a little disappointed with what we had to give up. But I like Kyle Schwarber. You know, I'm excited to have him on the team. I am interested to see how that works out at first base. I'm still a little disappointed that we don't have a set answer. I know they said he's going to try it out, like see how it goes. I was really hoping that would kind of just be something we don't worry too much about anymore. But (laughs) we'll see. You know, he's a good hitter. I think especially at Fenway, it's going to be fun to watch him for sure. So I'm happy with it.
0: So it sounds like you kind of given up on Bobby Dahl back then.
1: I have, a li- I think, I wouldn't say I've given up. I would like to see Bobby down in Worcester, maybe just for a little bit. I think he's, his thing now, it almost just seems more mental than anything.
0: And uh, in addition to Schwarber, any thoughts on the two relievers they picked up from the Twins and Pirates? Not really big moves or sexy, but... Yeah, I
1: would say I wasn't too... I By the time I saw it, because it was right after four when they made both those announcements, I was just like, whatever. These are not <laughs> make or break. I'm Not, like, big person that's like, oh, we need to fix our bullpen. Like, even Craig was, if we got him, it would be cool. But I didn't think we needed him, per se, honestly.
0: And uh, one of the guys they traded to get one of those relievers, uh, Michael Chavis, headed to Pittsburgh. Your initial reaction to that?
1: I'm disappointed, but I think it will be good for him. I think it's beneficial for both sides. There was just really not a right fit for him in Boston. And I think hopefully he'll get more opportunities in Pittsburgh. I know they said that he already was assigned to the AAA club down there, but I'm like, it can't be too long to like call him up. It's the Pirates, <laughs> so I'm hoping he'll be able to like ride it out and find more permanent position over in Pittsburgh than he did in Boston. You know, he was a fun guy to watch and stuff, but sometimes it was just it was tough to see him have to go back and forth, back and forth, no real set place to go.
0: <laughs> the Worcester shuttle, yeah.
1: Yeah, I know. It seems like at least once a week he was making that commute. And I'm like, that's not fair. That poor kid.
0: (laughs) And um, your reaction to Brandon Workman's second tenure with the Red Sox coming to an end after they got Schwarber?
1: I'm disappointed for him. I'm not too disappointed to see him go just because his second stint was not great. I feel really bad for him just because I'm like, we all know he has good stuff. I don't know. Maybe... Someone said maybe it's just he needs a change of scenery, but I'm like, he had a change of scenery. I think maybe just plucking him out of Boston that first time just was not the best thing for him. But I'm sure he'll get an opportunity somewhere else, maybe not at the major league level right now, but hopefully he does get an opportunity somewhere else and he can make his way back. I think it's kind of the same thing as Chavis. Like He'll find a better opportunity elsewhere. There's just not really a spot right now for him here.
0: And I don't know how much uh, attention you paid to the Woo Sox this year, but they had this outfielder, Marcus Wilson. He was having a pretty decent year, was DFA'd uh, in the midst of the trade deadline over the weekend, and then yesterday was claimed off off waivers by the Mariners. So I don't know if you had any, like, sort of reaction to that, the fact that they lost him for nothing, essentially, when he's, like, a guy on the 40-man roster. Like, not a highly touted prospect, but a prospect nonetheless.
1: Yeah, no, I'm disappointed about that. And I know a lot of people that work at the Woo Sox, they always had, like, the nicest things to say about him I know they're all really disappointed too but yeah I'm like this is probably karma for Garrett Whitlock when we all talked all the smack about oh Yankees came up Whitlock for nothing so I feel like really in the last few years like this is the first like couple years that the Red Sox are even involved with like rule five and you like actually notice it and so I think especially with Whitlock you know last year's Aruz like you're like oh yeah this is great and then once you have one of your own prospects taken that you actually, like, know and we're kind of looking forward to watching come up, it's like, oh, man.
0: <laughs> well, caught me off guard because usually they flip those guys for, like, lesser-known prospects, but to not even get anything from him was definitely interesting.
1: Yeah, that is kind of weird because, like you said, he's not, like, this, like, highly touted prospect by means, but, like, it's still a name that most people know. Like, you know, you see him play. Like, I've seen him play. and He's someone you're looking forward to.
0: I'm just turning to the Major League side of things now. As you're probably aware, Sox are in the midst of a season where it's four-game uh, losing streak, the last three of which have come after Friday's trade deadline. Uh, so do you, Sarah, believe that there's any correlation between their recent struggles and the fact that they stood pat at the deadline?
1: I don't want to say that there's no correlation, but I also think that part of it has to do with we are coming into this like red-hot Tampa Bay Rays team, and they did just make... I don't think it's as much as us not making the right accusations, whereas they made all these other moves, you know. And again, the Rays are a scary team. I think we all kind of knew that it was only a matter of time before they caught up to us in the standings. And it was kind of a miracle that we were standing at the top by ourselves for that long. And I don't think this is, like, set in stone, like, oh, that series defines it. Like, we're going to be chasing the wild card now by any means, but... I think it's going to be a back and forth. Our schedule is not as bad as I thought it was. I think I saw something like it's like third ranked for difficulty or not difficulty, lack of difficulty, I should say, remaining for the year. So I think Red Sox, Rays, it's going to be a battle for that first place. But that series did not leave a good taste in my mouth, I will say.
0: (laughs) And uh, how would you be feeling right now if the Rays uh, actually traded for Chris Bryant and um, Craig
1: Kimbrell? oh my god thank god that did not well did you see what they're asking for they wanted like tyler glass now like they were asking for a crazy return which like,
0: yeah it would be insane crazy.
1: ever for trying to make a trade with the race i feel like usually you're just not going to end up winning that but i'm like oh my god thank god they had that insane asking price those are the last people i want to see in this division <laughs> well
0: the positive thing there would be uh both brian and uh Kim will probably be there for just two months so
1: Yeah, that's true. There's no way the Rays would make some big free agent signings.
0: You think we should view the return of some injured players, like not talking about Chris Sale, but like Christian Arroyo, Danny Santana, Marwin Gonzalez as deadline additions for the Red Sox?
1: I think definitely Christian Arroyo. He was a big one because I feel like I kind of kept forgetting about him when I'm like, oh, we have no first baseman. Like, I hope to God they don't put him back in first base considering what happened. But I'm like. We do have some promise, like, at the infield for flexibility-wise between him and Marwin that we can still test other things out at first base, and it's not, like, do or die.
0: <laughs> and were you surprised to see uh, Tanner Howe get optioned? Uh, I believe it was last last weekend.
1: Yeah, I was a little confused about that. I was like, I'm sure there's, like, some underlying reason that I don't see me, but – I think it was just after everything that happened and then seeing, oh, sure, let's send Tanner Huck down too while we're at it. Because like, I, at this point, I'm like, there's no reason he shouldn't be a permanent fixture in the rotation. I think we've reached that point where he's more than proven himself and he's by far one of the most helpful in our rotation. So,
0: Yeah, like someone said, he's never had a bad big league outing.
1: No, that's the thing. And I'm like, I understand, like, Garrett Richards, like, he has this huge contract. I'm not on the train of, oh, send Garrett Richards down. Like, there's way too much money going into that guy for him to be pitching in Worcester. But I'm like, why not bring up Tanner Howe just to balance things out a little bit there? Because I'm like, especially when, like, today, of course, Garrett Richards pitching. I'm not an anti-Garrett Richards person at all. But I'm like, you need someone when you have this, like, fourth and fifth starters that can't go more than, like, four innings max. It's nice to have someone that has not gotten beat up entirely through five innings.
0: And just going back to the whole deadline conversation, were you at all surprised that they didn't try to reinforce their starting rotation? Like, I think and Bloom said there were deals out there, but the asking price was too high.
1: I was a little surprised. See, my thing was – When those like Max Scherzer rumors, especially first started and all that stuff, I was like, do we really need another like big, huge starting arm? Like, we have Chris Sale coming back, like, we have Tanner Houck. But then I was like, I would like a more bottom of the rotation guy just to kind of even things out. So I was a little disappointed we didn't make any additions there. But again, I think with like Chris Sale coming back up, hopefully things will start looking a little more solidified in the rotation and it won't be as like, Oh, Nathan Valdi, pretty solid outing. You know, Tim Haug solid outing. Erod's hit or miss. Nick Pavetta's hit or miss these days, but for the most part, solid. I think once we get Chris Sale in there, we should be in better shape as long as he's, like, healthy and can make – go – as long as he could go at least five innings, I think that would be great.
0: <laughs> what are your expectations for Sale? Because I think he makes one more rehab start for the Blue Sox this weekend and then could be up with the Red Sox, like, sometime – late next week
1: yeah you know I of course would love to see him like back in like 2018 form but that's just not not too likely but based off of like what I've like seen and read about his rehab starts so far it doesn't sound like he's too far off from like where he was pre-injury you know I think it said like his fastball's still up there like it's still getting decent speed for sure you know still insane strikeout rates. Like I think it'll definitely be an adjustment and it'll take some time. And I know people are going to expect him to be like perfect for sale at his first start. And then it's going to be panic again because we didn't get another starter at the deadline, but I think he's probably going to be the most important addition by the end of the season.
0: Is there anyone else at the minor league level you think will uh, help out?
1: Hmm. Well, there's for a while, I really was. Now he hasn't had, I think he's been kind of a bit of a slump there. If we did want to add to the bullpen, I really love Caleb Ort. And I would love to see him up. I don't know how likely that is now. But he was one for a while. I was like, why isn't he getting called up? Because he was doing like shutout, like closing out games. Like it was no one's business down in Worcester.
0: Any reactions to Jaron Duran's struggle since being called up? he's been, he was like brought up to be kind of a spark to the offense, really hasn't done that so far.
1: Uh, I'm not too worried yet. I'm still early, I guess. I think after maybe another week or so, especially like this upcoming week with like the Detroit series, I feel like that should be his time. Like, all right, (laughs) it's Detroit, which granted they do have the pitching leverage in those situations I was looking at, unfortunately, but (laughs) I think within the next week, we should have more clarity, I'm hoping. And if not, then I'm like, maybe panic a little bit. But still, for right now, I'm not panicking.
0: You think when Schwarber's ready to go, he could force Durant back to Worcester?
1: I think that might be what ends up happening if this is like still the trail we're going on. I hope not, but obviously, if it comes down to picking between Schwarber or Durant, I'm, I'd like Schwarber. i just... You want the guy with the Major League experience who is very much a proven player and you know is going to help your offense a lot.
0: Uh, Turning elsewhere now, uh, well, the draft more specifically, uh, do you have any sort of reaction to the Red Sox not being able to sign their second-round pick, Judd Fabian?
1: Honestly, I'm just (laughs) – after seeing the whole thing go down, like, Kumar Rocker and stuff, I'm like, you know what? We got our first-round pick. I can live with that. I am disappointed, but – As long as we got that first-round pick, I'm okay.
0: (laughs) What do you think about the Mets owner, Steve Cohen, pretty much throwing Rocker under the bus on Twitter?
1: Yeah, that was really, really bad. I Honestly, I was kind of shocked that tweet is still up. Just the way he, like, worded it, you know, calling him an investment and stuff, and, like you said, completely just throwing him under the bus. That is not okay. Like, I do like – having someone like that using twitter because i think it's cool to an extent and then it's stuff like that you're like "Mm, no this isn't fun anymore (laughs) Now i'm not having fun you know. and like he's a kid kamar rocker's a kid you can't do that
0: so it sounds like you're not in any hurry for like john henry or tom well john henry is on twitter but he's not very active but
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah, i think for the it's for the best if they do not talk as much as steve cohen does on twitter it was fun at first when it was just kind of like, you know, playful banter and stuff, and now it went downhill quick.
0: And uh, around the league now, just uh, – you mentioned Max Scherzer earlier, but what do you think about them, the Dodgers, getting him and Trey Turner from the Nationals?
1: It's just – I want to say it's not fair, but, I'm like, it is fair. The Dodgers, they want to win. They are going to give up anything. They'll spend the money, you know, whatnot. I just – because I love watching Max Scherzer. And I also love Clayton Kershaw. So I'm like, God, that's going to be so cool having both those guys in one rotation. But I just really don't want to see the Dodgers again.
0: <laughs> and they have the luxury of playing Mookie bets at second base.
1: Yeah, I saw that and I was like, wow, things, they're really scrambling for stuff out there. But then I am like, no, nope, of course, Mookie does amazing. You know, <laughs> everything's going great. Everything's perfect now or what, it was the MLB power rankings yesterday. All right, the Dodgers are, like, number one again. I'm like, I mean, not really, but, yeah, when you make those type of moves and trades, you probably are number one even without playing a game.
0: <laughs> and speaking about um, former Cubs, uh, Giants got Chris Bryant, Matt's got Javi Baez. We were you at all surprised to see the Cubs pretty much blow it up? Like, the whole 2016 team is pretty much gone now.
1: I wasn't as much – I feel – I feel like I kind of saw it coming, just maybe not to that same extreme extent. Because by the end of the deadline, I actually had to go and look. I'm like, who is still on the Cubs? Like, I don't even know who is still on this team. Because I do watch, obviously, a few Cubs games because they'll play the Brewers a lot. And they do have a rivalry going. And this year it just hasn't been anything that interesting because the Cubs have been so bad. So I kind of had a feeling they were going in that direction. But, yeah, it reached a point. I was like, who is still left on this team?
0: <laughs> and on that note about the Brewers, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe there are two significant additions at the deadline where Eduardo Escobar and Daniel Norris. Yes. So um, with those moves, would you say they're primed to win the division now? Or are you kind of wary of the Cardinals and Reds?
1: I'd say at the rate the Brewers are going, I knock on wood, I feel like the division, they're in a pretty solid place, you know, and, like, right now, everyone knows Christian Yelich has not been having a great year. Like, he's not in the lineup because COVID and stuff. And you would never know that, like, they're, like, so-called, like, superstar there is not in this lineup. Like, their offense, if you look at it, I know I saw a tweet the other day. Someone's like, how is this Brewers team winning so many games? Like, look at this lineup. Who are these people? And, you know, I think it's just a mix between, like, they're having a lot of guys that are having big years offensively. Obviously, like Garcia, Willie Domus, like already Escobar has been like lighting it up over there. And then they have some of the best, if not the best, pitching in the league with their rotation and their bullpen.
0: It's like the best uh, three headed monster in the league, you think, with Woodruff, um, Peralta, and uh, Burns?
1: I think so. Yeah. You know, especially. Because at first, like, in the beginning of the year, it was more just, like, Woodruff and Burns. I was like, oh, yeah, like, these two. I think I, I wrote an article and called it the two-headed monster. And all of a sudden, it's Freddie Peralta out of nowhere. Just, a, he. I think Brandon Woodruff is still the best in that rotation. But Freddie Peralta is making a very good case for himself.
0: Just uh, watching former guy, American League East foes of the Red Sox, your thoughts on uh, guys like T- Rowdy Tellez and Adonis, like you mentioned?
1: Yeah, the, of course. As soon as I saw Rowdy got trades, Bruce was just like, thank God. I don't ever want to see that guy again. I, his numbers against the Red Sox, and I feel like it was just the Red Sox, were so insane. But he's been doing great with the Brewers, too, offensively. So I'm like, all right, maybe it wasn't just us. And then Willie Adamas, you know, he wasn't, like – he was always good, like decent, but I think maybe it was just he needed to get out of the trough or something because he is the perfect fit for the Brewers and – I would say for sure, MVP conversation at the very least at the rate he's going.
0: But still no concern for you about like the Cincinnati Reds, who I think are trying to get healthy, have a pretty good offense going. Joey Votto bangs. Yeah.
1: I think out of all the teams in the division in the NL Central, the Reds are the ones that worry me the most. But right now, I think just because the Brewers have, I think it's like a seven game lead right now in the division i'm like at least they have that comfort that cushion there i do think probably cut by september the reds are going to be very close to that but we'll see how it all pans out for them because i feel like they're still kind of making their way back up now whereas the brewers have just been like on this hot streak; like doesn't look like they're slowing down anytime soon
0: so with the brewers your eyes are on the division then right like yes. winning the division yes because, like, the wild card race is probably going to get shaken up now if Tatis for San Diego is out for the season.
1: Yeah, that's – I think the NL wild card is – because for a while it looked like it was going to be, like, Dodgers-Padres, which that would have been amazing. But I don't know now about that. I'm still also very unsure about what's going to end up happening in the NL West, especially with all the trades the Dodgers made. I would love to see the Giants win the division, but <laughs> –
0: I think I read something that says, like, um, the Giants are good every year. Like, Taylor Swift releases an album or something like that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's why, because actually one of my um, friends, she's a really big Giants fan. And she's like, oh, well, it's an odd number year. Taylor Swift had this, like, blah, blah, blah. Everything is going in the Giants' direction. And then right after those trades to the Dodgers, she was like, mm, yeah. Things aren't looking as great right now, but I'm still just going to rely on my suspicions.
0: (laughs) I personally would like to see the Giants try to sign Chris Bryant to a long-term extension this winter. I don't know how you feel about that.
1: I would love that. I think he'd be, he already seems like a great fit out there, but yeah, I think he'd be a great fit for that club long-term.
0: All right. Just looking ahead to the present now, as you mentioned earlier, the Red Sox open up a three-game series against the Tigers in Detroit tonight. Uh, how confident are you that they can turn things around this week and catch up to the Rays in the standings once again? I mean, I think going to play today, they're one game back.
1: I think by the end of the week, if they're not at most, this might be hot taking me. I'm like, at most, I think they'll be half a game back, if not tied. I don't know that we're going to gain any serious ground this week. Still to like take go and run away with the division. But I'm more confident this week than I was last week just because we did have such a difficult week schedule wise.
0: And this is like looking ahead way too much, but if they were Red Sox were in a one game wild card, who would you uh put out there to start assuming like everyone's available, even though that won't be the case, obviously, but just assuming so
1: oh my God, that's a good question.
0: Like assuming sales put up good numbers since coming back too.
1: I know because I'm like Right now at this moment, I would probably say Evaldi and then maybe have How come in like after a few innings or something. But if we have a healthy Chris Sale back, I might have to go Chris Sale, maybe just for like two or three innings though.
0: And have like Whitlock or How picky back off him? Yeah. Nice. And just over the final two months of the season, who do you see maybe being a key contributor? Like if you want to say Sale or someone else.
1: Hmm.
0: Saran, surprise, like a wild card, Pax Factor.
1: (laughs) I feel like right now it's either going to be Sale or Whitlock for me.
0: Would you see uh, Whitlock opening next year in the starting rotation? Again, that's looking way too far ahead. but
1: I could see it. I hope so, honestly. I mean, obviously, we haven't seen him, like, perform at, like, long-term innings at the major league level yet. But I would be interested and willing to see him as – at the very least, an opener. I think he's proven his stuff for sure this year.
0: (laughs) So as of right now, is your gut telling you the Red Sox will win the AL East or have to settle for a wild card spot?
1: I'm still going with they're going to win the AL East. I'm also way too optimistic when it comes to that type of stuff. But just looking at our schedule down the stretch, and again, Chris Sale, Kyle Kyle Schwarber coming in and stuff, I think we're in a pretty good position. It just sucks that Directly after the trade deadline, we had to play series against the Rays. (laughs) That, I think, left a lot of people being like, okay, this is not likely. We were never going to win anyways this year, so why even bother?
0: (laughs) And the Rays themselves seem primed to play in, like, some key games, like they did this weekend at the TROP. Uh, Your thoughts on Tropicana Field in general? Because me, personally, not a big fan.
1: Yeah, I say, to keep it nice, I am not a fan. I would like to not see any more games at the drop this season. <laughs> I've had enough of it, to be quite honest.
0: Ever been there? Or, I mean, even if you have, would it still be 30th out of 30th on the on your power rankings for stadiums?
1: Yeah, I would say I've never been there, but, like, my dad's been there. You know, I have a lot of friends that have been there. Like, it's not worth it. Because I always say, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to every park. But, like, just skip the drop. Like, it's not worth it. <laughs>
0: And uh, any other predictions for the last few weeks of the regular season, as well as any early postseason ones for the Red Sox, Brewers, league-wide?
1: I think my biggest prediction definitely is that the Brewers are going to have a big October stretch. I think they're actually going far. Like, last year, they're stacked up against the Dodgers already, like, right out the gate. Did not have the right roster to be playing in the postseason, honestly. This year, I don't know. They have – you know those certain teams like it's kind of like with the 2018 team they just have like a certain like energy or feel to them I kind of get that feeling with this Brewers team I can't really say the same I love this year's Red Sox team but they don't have that same feel for me that the Brewers seem to so that's who I'm looking at most in October.
0: Has uh, Jackie Bradley rebounded at all offensively because like last I checked he had like a 500 OPS or something like that?
1: Yeah he's he's still struggling out there I feel bad for him you know of course when he's in there and like you have him out in the outfield you're like okay this guy's insane defense but then they also have Lorenzo Cain who at least puts up better offensive numbers so I feel like Brewers fans almost have kind of less patience with JBJ than Red Sox fans did it's like yeah he's great in the outfield but we have a guy who does the same thing
0: Isn't it kind of surprising though? Wasn't Miller Park or whatever it's called now American Family Field kind of like a launching pad?
1: Yeah, that's why. <laughs> I don't know. I feel bad for him. I really feel bad for him.
0: At least he got paid.
1: Oh yeah, he got paid well, and that was the thing because the Brewers did not make any of these like huge free agent signings, but he was probably one of their bigger ones. And out of their whole roster, you know, a lot of things are panning out for them, but that just has not been one.
0: Well, I think he has a player option, so he's probably locked in for next year, too. Yep. <laughs> and uh, finally, just before I let you go, yeah, you recently launched a podcast of your own, correct?
1: Yes. Uh, it's called Saturdays and Seltzers. I do it with Kendra Middleton. Um, it's on Spotify and SoundCloud right now. We're still waiting on that Apple podcast that did not... We've been having a little technical difficulties, but that should be all settled today. But yeah, we have our account on Twitter at SatAndSeltzPod. And then it's also linked on my own Twitter under SKG underscore 18.
0: New episodes come out every Saturday? Yes. All right. Well, uh, Sarah Griffin, thank you very much for your time today. Uh, You can follow Sarah on Twitter at SKG18. Read her work at picturelist.com. Check out our new podcast, Saturdays and Seltzers. Uh, Sarah, thank you again.
1: Thank you so much for having me.